0: Page to Practice – Applying Educational Reading in the Classroom Join in the conversation using hashtag PagePracticePodcast From Page to Practice is a podcast focusing on the application of educational reading in the classroom. Each episode features one book or article, my reflections and the thoughts of my guests on its use and impact in the classroom. Some episodes may also feature an introduction from the author. Hi, and welcome to Series 3, Episode 8 of From Page to Practice. Today, we're looking at Irresistible Learning, Embedding a Culture of Research in Schools by Graham Chisnell. Today, we have an introduction from Graham and then four reader contributions. So, let's get started.
1: Hello, my name's Graham Chisnell. And I'm the author of Irresistible Learning, Embedding a Culture of Research in Schools. My Twitter handle is at Chiz @chizkent, C-H-I-Z-K-E-N-T. And I'd love to hear from you. My book, Irresistible Learning, is my lockdown baby. I'm a CEO in Kent. And as we all know, the pandemic created a really frenetic time in our schools. And I was trying to think in the evening of something to give me a distraction. And so I started to write a script that would help my staff to develop a culture of research. Now, research can often be seen as quite high And I've been a lecturer in primary education as well as a head teacher since 1998. And It seems to be that quite often in education, research is just under the purview of those who've been through university. So I wanted to demystify this for my staff and to give them some simple steps in terms of research practice. So I created the research cycle. It's a cycle of eight steps that if you follow them, it'll allow you to structure your research in a way that your research becomes meaningful and interesting for others and hopefully impactful on your own practice. So I'd love to share that with you now. The first step in the research cycle is to define the issue and to think about an area of research that's interesting and relevant to both yourself as a researcher and your organisation. In that process, we think carefully about building a question and we coach our staff to this point. We help them to think about different styles of questions, like thinking about what's going on here, about looking and analysing at their own practice and the impact of that on children and students. We might ask the question, what happens when? When we're introducing a new system or strategy to think about the impact on individuals or on groups. We might think about what's related to what, whether one thing impacts another. We also talk about the hypothesis and the null hypothesis, and how to test those out. So once our researcher has built a question, we then move on to step three of the research cycle to review what's known. A lot of people say they're doing research, and actually what they're doing is finding out what others have found out. Now, this is an important step in the research cycle, but it is one of eight steps. When we review what's known, we talk to our staff about professional learning communities, groups of people with similar research interests that we can gather together. We encourage our staff researchers to speak with colleagues, to read books, journals, websites, and to engage in professional associations, maybe conference or training events and using social media. We also teach them how to think critically and develop an understanding of cognitive bias and the great work of Daniel Kahneman on that, to allow them to spot that bias in themselves and in the research of others. So once our researcher has found out about what's already known about their field of study, we then ask them to go back to the research question at step four and refine the question. Now it's time to move on to step five. And step five asks our researcher to select the methodology. This is the fun part. And we use a range of theories around research methodology. We look at qualitative and quantitative research, the research and data linked to words and pictures and numbers. We look at longitudinal, microgenetic and single study research. So there's an understanding of the research methodology and theories. We then get into practical research tools at step five. We talk about the Mosaic approach by Clark, which is a brilliant approach to undertaking many lenses in your research methods. It was used with very young children in social care to try and give them a voice in the research process. And we use systems like postcards and pictures to allow students and children to talk about what their thoughts are around the research. We use diamond nines and diamond sevens, gingerbread man, hidden voices. We use photographs, videoing and questionnaires, web surveys, just so there's lots of different lenses that we can find out about our research question. The next step in the research cycle is step six. And we look at analyzing the findings Now we've gathered a rich array of data, step five of the research cycle, it's time to set the task of analysing those findings. And we introduce a range of ways that our researchers can do that, through bar charts, distribution charts, pie charts, line charts, and a number of ways where a visual representation of the data can be formed to allow our researcher to find patterns in what we do. When analysing the data, we encourage our researchers to hold their assumptions lightly in order to allow the data to tell the story of research, and also to be alert to their conscious and unconscious bias in analysing their answers. At step 7, we ask our researchers to share their new understanding. We might do that through written presentations. It could be a verbal presentation to their colleagues, a research poster, using PowerPoint recordings or blogs, and we encourage our staff to use social media to share their findings. We introduce the idea of step seven right at the beginning of the research cycle, so our researchers recognise the importance of their work and that they will need to be sharing that towards the end of the project. This really sharpens the lens of their research as they start to think about their potential audience. Finally, we reach step eight of the research cycle, adapt or affirm. Now our researcher has learned something new about their practice or the practice of others. They think about whether that affirms their own practice and how, or whether it's something they need to share to adapt their practice so that they can then change what they do as a result of their research, leading them very neatly into step one of the cycle again when they start to think about their new issue. The second part of the book then talks about how you can embed that culture of research within your school. I use a range of strategies. The first is around knitting the research cycle into standard cycles of appraisal. So it gives meaning and it, it attaches to something that you're already doing. We talk about talent pathways and systems of planning, deliberate practice that helps develop a pathway of research. We talk about the use of coaching in the book and especially work from coaching um, such as the Appreciative Inquiry Model by Cooper Ryder and Cooper Ryder and also the Group Coaching Model and Grow Model by Whitmore or the Mental Coaching Model by Pask and Joy. Whichsoever model of coaching is used, it's important to understand the process and how that can impact and support the research journey. In the book, I talk about learning tickets and research bursaries, ways of offering money to help and support and fuel the interest in research within your organisation. I talk about time and the importance of giving time to the research process so that something meaningful can happen as a result of that. I talk about research champions and how you can use champions within your organisation to help and inspire others. And also research groups, research buddies, linking together staff, undertaking similar fields of research, helping one another and discussing with one another great articles that they have found or ideas from their research. And I talk about teach meets and journal clubs. I love teach meets. Simple ways of sharing important information in a fun and concise way. And talking about concise, I better finish there. I will finish by saying you'd be welcome to visit my website, www.irresistiblelearning.com, where you'll find a lot more information about my book and also some useful resources and strategies. I really hope you enjoy reading Irresistible Learning, Embedding a Culture of Research in Schools, and I'd love to hear from you. Thank you.
0: You're listening to From Page to Practice. Join the conversation on Twitter using hashtag PagePracticePodcast. Thanks, Graham, for a great overview of your book. I'm really looking forward to hearing how it's been applied by today's readers.
2: First, Sammy. Hello, my name is Sammy Chandler. I am the subject leader of history and the academy research lead at the John Wallace Church of England Academy. Uh, you can find me on Twitter. I'm Smoo Chandler, S-M-U Chandler. Um, but essentially, I have found Graham's book absolutely invaluable. I was appointed um, or kind of given the role of research lead in May of last year, um, following a kind of a series of opportunities that our new principal, Damien Macbeth, um, kind of put forward um, for a number of our staff in, you know, giving them some fantastic opportunities to to for career progression and kind of looking at this. And this role essentially came off the back of um, some really great conversations with Damien, at kind of talking about reading and kind of looking at professional development in, in the academy, um, encouraging staff to, to actually look at more resources and, and kind of branch out in kind of looking at the wider reading and and research that's out there. And so the role, you know, like I said, it's essentially started from September, but I needed to kind of get ahead of, of looking at what, we needed to kind of start implementing and i was pointed in the direction of a number of action research books a number of kind of you know books that were going to be useful for me and i read about five or six and some of them were fantastic um but i felt that a number of them were quite quite large (laughs) they were quite lengthy and the language and the depth that they went into just felt quite bamboozling to me and I started to get a bit concerned that perhaps I was out of my depth that I hadn't perhaps fully understood what research was and and you know it sounds like an obvious thing but perhaps not within an education setting and so I started to get a bit unnerved and the imposter syndrome had set in uh, by about the end of May, uh, beginning of June. And I had a conversation um, with a number of colleagues um, and kind of started talking about what I would like to, to do. So there was some reassurance from from my colleagues that, you know, I was on the right track, um, what they felt that they would need in order to kind of develop themselves uh, with regards to research. So Graham's book kind of came out, I think, at the sort of towards the end of June, the 20th of June or something. And I got the book, The 28th, and it was essentially from that I kind of hit the ground running. I read the book in one sitting. I'm one of those who writes in books and annotates and highlights and makes a mess of these wonderful things. But it has been essentially my kind of my, my handbook, my go-to. Um, when people ask me questions, um, when I want to, when I've got time, when I've, you know, I've been given some allocated time to, to do this, when it, that time comes around, it is there and I'm, I'm sitting at, you know, Trying to almost essentially make a step-by-step guide of what I need to do next. Uh, we had, like I said, this imposter syndrome, and chapter one in the book was just really, really lovely because it was very much Graham reassuring what I needed to do, um, what research was, how we can, you know, how it benefits staff, essentially. And we are he, you know, he introduces this this eight-step this cycle, the cycle of research. And we as an academy are probably on about step two, step three. We have, as as Graham suggests, sat down. We have defined an issue. We have looked at our strengths and weaknesses, what we would like to look into with regards to research and picked out quite a broad theme. Um, So we're kind of hopefully going to look at uh, kind of this idea of because we are a 0 to 19 academy. We're an all through look at this concept of transition and within that there's lots of opportunities for us to pick out some really lovely individual questions. Um, We are again really fortunate to be part of um, an academy who is sponsored by Canterbury Christchurch University. So we've had a number of meetings with colleagues from Christchurch, um, Professor Lynn Revelle, who is helping us um, with regards to research. So we're going to have some um, afternoon sessions, kind of some training, essentially. We're going to hopefully have some mentors um, to help us Identify our individual questions because Graham is quite clear that in order to have effective research, there needs to be an aspect of individual uh, relevance and an interest in what you are looking into. So we've tried to make sure that staff are researching things that they find useful that will help them, you know, with the, you know, with their own practice and, and teaching and learning. So we're quite excited. I mean, we, we're essentially going to meet after half term. We're at that stage where we kind of. Um, sending letters out to to parents obviously with regards to ethical issues because teachers will need to obviously look at data and and interview students so the ethical kind of implications of this which again is kind of hinted at in the the book we are building our question we are reviewing kind of what is out there so again step three is very much about reviewing what what research already exists uh, rather than reinventing the wheel and he talks about networking and books and again we have Developed. It was something that I'd already intended to do, but he kind of talks about the benefits of this, of developing a a research library and looking at journals and websites and joining associations. So we've reached out to a number of organizations, uh, building an online um, profile. You know, social media has been incredibly invaluable. We have um, – I attended uh, Research Ed in London and we're going to research Kent later on in the year. So little things like that that I have just been really, really – Useful. Um, like I said, I've used at the end of each chapter, Graham gives these kind of t- key takeaways, his summary. And I was able to use that almost as like a as a tick sheet, as a tick list. Um, and it's not just things that you need to do. It's things that you need to try and avoid doing. So like I said, he was kind of talking about colleagues who perhaps aren't as competent with their writing, kind of putting the pointing them in the direction of different organisations and journals and websites and things like that. So it's been really great because he identifies the pitfalls, explains why they'd emerged and how to rectify them. Um, so like I said, we are currently on stage three, so I can't really talk much about... <laughs> the next few steps from graham's book but it has absolutely been incredible and i feel where staff um so we have a working party at the moment with regards to this project because we want to sort of just make sure that we get this right and it has just been absolutely fantastic to to be able to have that to hand um, and for me to feel much more confident in what i'm delivering and what i'm telling staff and what i'm I'm getting this this working party of individuals to be part of uh, because it's really quite exciting um, we had a meeting on uh, Friday, uh, just gone, where we kind of sat down with again with Christchurch and myself, our teaching and learning um, assistant head, and and our principal Damien, was were just very excited, um, and I think that has come from just this really encouraging uh, support that we've had from Christchurch University, but also from the book because I can kind of sit there and I know what they're talking about, and I don't feel like you know I'm not meant to be there, and it's just incredibly exciting. So. Even if you aren't kind of talking about embedding a culture across an academy or a school based, you know, in a school school setting, this book, absolutely, you know, give it a read because it's not a huge book to read. It's not patronizing. It's not overwhelming. Um, Graham talks, you know, from someone who's had that experience from starting from scratch um, as a teacher. We are not, you know, hugely academic necessarily. and You know, the the, the language is just really, really nice. Um, And he takes you through it step by step so please do give it a read um and thank you for listening you're listening to from page to practice join the conversation
0: on twitter using hashtag page podcast thanks sammy it's great to hear what you've done especially with regards to your role as research lead and encouraging others next we'll hear from joe
3: I'm Joe Morin, and I'm the lead practitioner for teaching and learning at school in Nottinghamshire. And you can find me on Twitter at Joe underscore Morin. I'm here to talk a little bit about how we've used uh, Graham Chisnell's uh, Irresistible Learning and as part of a trust-wide initiative, uh, we've been developing inquiry questions, uh, which is basically a uh, evidence-informed approach to answering a specific question about um, developing an aspect of um, a practice within the classroom. And as part of this pilot, Graham Chisnell's book has very much informed everything we do in terms of providing support for our practitioners in the school. I particularly like uh, Graham's research cycle which can be found on page 18 Um, and basically what we've been doing is getting each member of staff to reflect on their practice and identify an aspect of their practice that they want to refine and develop over the coming year and that links to finding that concept, that idea of a relevant issue that links to both organisational priorities as well as faculty priorities And so what we do is we provide that space for staff to have that conversation with their faculty leader or line manager about the issue that they want to focus in on that area of practice that they really want to to, to master through evidence and research informed uh, sources. It's from here that we start to think about defining the area of practice that our staff wish to investigate. Um, And then that leads on to building the question, for example, what impact does weekly multiple choice retrieval questions for a period of 12 weeks have on knowledge test scores with my Year 10 low retaining students? So, what we're doing there is getting the staff to think about uh, what impact a particular type of practice has over a period of time, on what type of outcome, and for whom would this impact benefit most. I particularly like Graham's notion of fast thinking and slow thinking. So we have often done this before. We go for quick fixes and quick gains through fast thinking. We go for the thing that jumps at us most, but we don't really give time to look at the heart of the actual problem that affects our practice. And that's why I think Um, The concept of slow thinking really gets me thinking about ways in which I can provide those spaces for staff to have that dialogue with their faculty leaders or their research coaches to start looking at that element of practice and look at the other factors that could affect their current practice. I've used much of Graham's book to help staff to develop their inquiry questions, and I particularly like the um, section about talking about building a question to answer the issue. And what is really, really important is researching what is already known about the the issue at hand. A lot of us get sort carried away thinking we've got to find the latest evidence and you know new ideas. When we actually don't give ourselves time to think about what do we already know about the issue at hand, and what uh, what gaps in our knowledge exist, um, so that we can actually identify those gaps and fill them um, with the research and evidence that is out there. So you know, Graham talks about looking at uh, relevant books, journals, online resources. Um, but I think also it's a good opportunity for staff to talk with other faculty areas about what is known about this particular area of practice there's a real good chance to start thinking about uh, developing um, their practice through those conversations across the school and for staff that are not uh, well versed to engaging with uh, research and it can be some many years before anyone's actually done any research um, I did actually pick out Uh, Graham's notion of a a research coach um, just to guide some of the staff through the sort of requirements for the inquiry questions. Um, It can be quite a minefield when you're trying to look at different types of evidence. And so we've upskilled these research coaches who tend to be the faculty leads or staff that are, you know, very well, very confident with, with engaging with research or evidence informed sources um, to help to support uh, people that may lack or staff that may lack the confidence to engage with um, any kind of research. And through this, this has helped um, staff to refine their inquiry questions even further. So it's more targeted, it's more specific to an issue at hand, but is also uh, reinforced with a sort of a wider understanding of the issue that they're, they're hoping to, to investigate further. And that all then pieces together as part of our prepare phase for the inquiry questions. As a result of this, we've got uh, 60 different inquiry questions. Um, Some are looking into retrieval, practice, um, looking at whole class feedback, looking at Cornell notes as an effective strategy for revision, um, it's provide a rich bank of inquiry questions in the that, You know, through the use of this, uh, you know, Graham's book as a reference, it's really, really helped to make clear about the expectations for the inquiry questions and why we are engaging with disciplined inquiry in a sense. Um, And then as we move further into our deliver stage of the inquiry questions, we then begin to look at what kind of methodology might we employ. So are we going to be using more quantitative methods or qualitative methods? And it's actually come up in a lot of conversations I've had with staff across the school. They said, well, you know, impact, if we're looking at impact, it might not be measurable by using student data alone you know we can look at the more qualitative aspects such as you know engagement with a particular type of intervention we can look at book looks we can look at diary entries there's a whole host of different ways that we can can measure impact of a particular strategy so once we get to our evaluate and sustain phase which will be in the summer. Again, I'll be drawing my ideas from uh, from Graham's book and ways that we can sort of unpick our research findings. But inevitably what we aim to do is to create a one-page dissemination tool uh, which shows um, our findings uh, from the IQs. Um, And this is a nice way to showcase what we've done in terms of thinking about our practice with a wider audience, such as across the school and, uh, and across uh, schools within our trust. But it's a good opportunity for staff to share whether or not uh, we feel that we're in a position to affirm current practices or to adapt. And if the case is to adapt, then you know what has been put in place? Does it work? Do we need to go down that route? And is there a potential opportunity to create another inquiry question in another year to look at the efficacy of a particular strategy that we haven't used before? All in all, the book has been a great source uh, for the development of the IQs um, across the school. I would be lost without it. I've actually signposted many staff to to uh, the book. I've actually put it in the book in our, in our research library. Um, but it really, really does give uh, sort of the... The, the fundamentals of engaging with any kind of action research or as we're doing the uh, inquiry questions, or if you actually wish to, and you know, I think it really uh, support uh, people that wish to do a master's in educational research. It is a really, really good reference uh, to help you through uh, to navigate that research process. Um, certainly we'll be lost without it, and it's really, really been influential in helping shape our professional development um, at our school.
0: You're listening to From Page to Practice. Join the conversation on Twitter using hashtag pagepracticepodcast. Thanks, Jo. It's great to hear how applying this book to your whole school practice has really made a difference. Next, we'll hear from Fahana.
4: Hi, I'm Fahana Patel, and I'm a vice principal of a primary school which is part of a multi-academy trust. I am a SENCO, Mastery Math Specialist for NCETM, I teach part-time in year six and lead the curriculum within my academy. You can follow me on Twitter and my Twitter handle is patalfahana84 and I do enjoy sharing resources and ways in which I have implemented research into practice. So I read Irresistible Learning as soon as it was published and as someone who is eager to learn more about improving practice and developing my own pedagogy, I found that this book helped me to analyse and delve deeper into the purpose of research. The eight key steps involved as part of the research cycle is a model that I've now started to implement as part of my own practice. The diagram from the book is what I tend to keep to hand and use as my reference point when focusing on research-informed practice. I really benefited from implementing the slow-thinking approach from the research cycle, where myself or a member of staff has really had the opportunity to delve beyond the surface eradicating those biases and assumptions and then really spending time considering those probing questions which has then resulted in eliciting a more detailed response. I really like the combination of visuals throughout the book and there are so many examples of the types of questions that you can ask and how you frame those questions when you're coaching. I use this as a scaffold to help me implement that dialogic model. The research cycle process provides a framework so that when you're delving into research, the strategies and approaches allow the research to be manageable. Graham states in his book that this approach really does narrow the focus, allowing the researcher to really hone into an area that's going to provide useful information, which then will have a positive impact. When I read the book, I was really struck with the uh, shining spotlight analogy, which allows you to view something from a different lens. And to take your time and energy to just really study and look hard. This helps you as an educator and a leader to identify the question, which then becomes a hook for your research. The rest of the book really guides you through the cycle with lots of exemplars and scenarios. There is a section about creating a culture of research which focuses on some great characteristics of effective leadership. I know that I'll continue to use Grain's book to support me middle leaders when implementing research. Also, I know it'll have a real impact on those staff completing middle and senior leadership courses and qualifications. Um, as a leader, I'll be using it for coaching staff. And also, I'm going to try and implement it as part of the appraisal process. Thank you very much. You're listening
0: to From Page to Practice. Join the conversation on Twitter using hashtag pagepracticepodcast. Thanks for your reflections, Vahana. Finally, we have Imogen. Hi, everyone. My name is Imogen Staley, and I'm
5: currently Research Lead for Allerton Grange School in Leeds. I've been in education for about 20 years in a range of roles, from Senior Science Technician all the way up to Lead Practitioner. I was an HOD in a school in Coventry for about 10 years, And my current role as research lead is a relatively new one, having been appointed in September. It's still quite uh, a daunting experience, um, very exciting, um, and I'm still learning. I picked up Graham Chisnell's book, Irresistible Learning, when I was considering my application and subsequent interview for my current role. And I'm really pleased to be able to share my thoughts with you today. What drew me to the book was it seemed to be a concise book, which wouldn't take too long to read, which is really important um, with the current workload. Yet it did give some fantastic practical advice that was backed up by his own experience as a head teacher. Now, Graham is in a primary school, um, but all the advice that is given is really applicable to a secondary school as well. Each chapter is based around the eight key steps of his research cycle, which clearly explains the process from defining the issue, creating a question, deciding on methodology and analysing, reflecting and refining where necessary. There are plenty of key takeaways at the end of each chapter and lots of tips on how to do the research, where to go, what to look for and who possibly to speak to. It's really difficult to choose a particular chapter as which is the best chapter because the cycle um, is so important as a whole and each of the parts are really intrinsic to the whole thing. So um, it's really difficult to pick one in particular. However, there's lots of things about this book that makes it a really refreshing um, read and really gives you hope that um, we can make a difference. This book could easily be mistaken as one for school leaders, but really it drives home how research culture can be developed regardless of your position. Through his own anecdotes, it's clear that Graham knows his staff well, from the cleaners to senior leaders, and he encourages everyone to get involved. Right down to the cleaners researching which products were the best and most economical when it came to cleaning the toilets, thus saving them some money. It was also evident throughout the book the value that was put on all staff developments, providing funds for CPD. So how they do that is by um, providing a learning ticket um, for each member of um, staff or for each teacher, with a cash value of £150 spent on their research-based appraisal target. They also have research bursaries which were made available for teachers to bid on. Each research bursary has a cash value of £500 and teachers can bid on them collectively for them to enhance their research and the teachers are very creative about how, about how they spend them. So, for instance, one teacher bid for a research bursary to research into the impact of Lego in story writing and another um, use it to um, fund an international research project into the teaching of phonics in the USA, Japan and Finland. What's great about it is the fact that the teachers have the control over how they spend it. So that means that they can... Um, choose what is relevant to them. One of the other things that I found really interesting in his book was um, the way he used the his talent pathways. Now each pathway holds a range of continuing professional development opportunities for staff. Um, There are a different range of pathways uh from volunteer pathways, research pathways, uh, teaching assistant pathways, head teachers' pathways. So um the idea is to create opportunities for all staff um to develop um as as teachers um and as leaders if they so wish. So they use the ARC approach um informing their talent pathways and they're given to help develop um their practice. Um, also, he talks about sharing good practice and how they, in uh, their school, they used uh, a teach meet style uh, where they do micro presentations, which um, I quite like the idea of because to me that seems a little less intimidating and less daunting than standing in front of the whole staff or. Um, standing in front of people actually giving a presentation. Um, so I thought that was a nice way of doing it. But he also gives lots of other ways of being able to share good practice um, and the research within the school, such as posters um, and blogs and, and so forth. Um, so there's lots and lots of ideas that can be picked up throughout the book. Um, as I said, it certainly makes it clear that anything is possible. The biggest challenge is changing the culture, and as a new research lead, this can be somewhat daunting. But again, Graham provides a guide to make research a part of the ethos of the school. Whether you have a role as a research lead um, in developing the research culture within your school, or whether you're just interested in um how to approach um, an inquiry question, how to do the research, um, where to look and how to refine it. This is a really good book. It There's something in it for everyone. So I'd really, really recommend it. I found it really useful. It really helped me to get my current role because I used it as part of my interview. It was great for my research for that. Um, so... Thank you, Graham. Um, and yeah, just have have a read. Um, I'm going to be dipping in and out of it, um, all the time. I think because I'm constantly wanting to be reminded as what to do next. So um, yeah, uh,
0: good read. Thanks. Bye. You're listening to From Page to Practice. Join the conversation on Twitter using hashtag pagepracticepodcast. Thanks for your reflections, Imogen. It's great to hear how useful the book has been for you. That's it for today's episode. The next will be on Kate Jones' five formative assessment strategies in action. Contributions are due by the 12th of February, please. As ever, I'd really appreciate your ratings and reviews on iTunes, sharing the podcast with friends and colleagues, and of course your kind contributions to my coffee fund. I'm also after your suggestions for books for forthcoming episodes, so please do let me know those via Twitter at pagepracticepod and don't forget to use the hashtag pagepracticepodcast when talking about the podcast so we can get a discussion going. Thanks, bye. You've been listening to From Page to Practice. Don't forget to join in the conversation using hashtag pagepracticepodcast. Alternatively, to suggest a book or article or volunteer to contribute to an episode, visit learninglinguist.co.uk forward slash page practice podcast. Thanks go to Kevin MacLeod of incomptech.com for use of the tracks Cheery Monday and Fuzzball Parade, which are licensed under Creative Commons.